Welcome to the Finding Refuge podcast. My name is Michelle Cassandra Johnson, and I'm so glad you're here. The Finding Refuge podcast emerged from work based in the exploration of collective grief and liberation. It exists to remind us about all the ways we can find refuge during unsettling and uncertain times. And to remind us about the resilience and joy that comes from allowing ourselves to find refuge. My name is Michelle Cassandra Johnson. I'm an author, a yoga teacher, a healer, a social worker, a dismantling racism trainer, activist, and grief worker. And through this podcast, I will offer monthly interviews engaging and amplifying the brilliance and wisdom of people who have found ways to honor their grief and stay centered amidst the turmoil in the world. Finding Refuge uplifts the brilliance and wisdom of people who are invested in creating conditions for liberation for the collective. We feature spiritual teachers, movement practitioners, activists, and social change makers, and people who hold space in various ways for healing. By listening to Finding Refuge, you will gain ideas about how to find and create refuge for yourself and others. You will learn about rituals to move through grief and freedom. You will learn tools to prevent you from being swept up by the chaos of the world. And most importantly, you will reaffirm your capacity to heal. So welcome to episode one of Finding Refuge. I'm so excited to birth this podcast and to feature some amazing people. I'm really excited about it. And so I shared some about the mission and what this is about, and I'll share a little bit more about Finding Refuge. About two years ago, I had, I don't know if I had a vision or my ancestors came to visit or An idea just popped into my head, but an idea to hold um, a space for people to grieve collectively came into my consciousness and awareness. And um, I sat with that vision and idea. I kept coming back to it. Like I knew that it was something that needed to happen. And you can fast forward to, it was probably last fall when, um, I was really contemplating how to make this vision come to life. And I co-collaborated with several facilitators to dream up a retreat that was to take place in Asheville, North Carolina this past June. Um, And we planned an amazing curriculum and and, um, just activities and amazing content about grief, about liberation, Um, We were going to have some music and kirtan and a lot of meditation movement and prayer and grief rituals in the natural world. And so we were preparing and some people were signing up for the retreat once we opened registration and um, COVID hit in March, as the whole world knows. Um, It's likely it was here before, but that's when I really noticed life-changing and these amazing and drastic and confusing and um, yeah, like sort of despairing ways. 
And so the group of facilitators, we met and we decided that this retreat still needed to happen and that it needed to happen online, given that COVID um, was going to be here. We were talking about this in March and April, and we knew that it was going to to continue to affect travel and people registering for this event. So we moved it online. And in June, it was the second weekend of June, we held a retreat called Healing and Community, um, Collective Grief and Liberation. And we had about 44 people participate online with us throughout the weekend. And while we couldn't be together physically in space, we created some amazing intimacy, some um, deep intimacy and we shared content about collective grief. Um, one of our facilitators, Jeanette Walser, she led folks in just taking a moment to connect with the natural world. And she led a session on um, decolonization connected to the land and the earth and our relationship with the earth. Um, one of the facilitators, Katie, led a practice focused on grounding into grief. So just noticing how grief is showing up in the body. Um, another facilitator, Amy, along with Katie, led a, an affinity group for white people and myself and my friend Stephanie Ghost and Paul, as well as Jeanette, we led an affinity space for black indigenous and people of color. The arc of the weekend and program was like grounding into grief. What is grief? What is collective grief? Because many people have an understanding for what grief is, like when we lose someone or something or an opportunity, right? Um, but the focus of this was really about the collective experience that we have as we grieve in response to all of the toxicity and dominant culture and that it creates and all of the um, trauma that we're experiencing. And although the trauma is landing in different ways, we are having an experience of collective grief. And so that was the beginning. And then we um, went into liberation and what liberation might look like. And my idea and belief is that we have to move through grief to find a space of freedom, especially in a culture, I grew up in the US, um, in a culture that doesn't really allow us space or time to grieve, right? To like, process to sit and certainly not in community. And so it was really powerful to see people come together and make that link for themselves and to consider how to tend to their grief and how to allow it to be held and seen and felt as a way of connecting more deeply to their liberation and creating conditions for liberation. As the retreat was happening, I was also in the midst of writing my second book, which is called Finding Refuge, Heart Work to Heal Collective Grief. And um, a friend suggested that I start a podcast. And the idea for a podcast has been like spinning around in my head for a while, in my heart for a while. And it just felt like the right moment to, as I was writing about finding refuge and how to do the heart work to heal ourselves and move back into wholeness. And as I was leading this retreat um, with other facilitators and, you know, people from all over the world about grief, it just clicked that now was the time. And um, finding refuge is actually the title connected to um, a verse in the Gita, the Bhagavad Gita, which is a text that if you have ever heard me speak, 
about how to radicalize yoga spaces and spiritual spaces by centering conversations um, about social change and anti-racism, then it's likely you've heard me talk about the Bhagavad Gita. And the Bhagavad Gita is an ancient text and is a story about so many beautiful things, um, namely a warrior and um, his guide and the warrior and the ways in which he resists living into his dharma, his purpose on the planet and the guide teaching the warrior the practices that he needed to know to actually live into his dharma and sustain it. The Bhagavad Gita is also about deep devotion um, and surrender and divinity and God and seeing spirit within ourselves and others. Um, and the Bhagavad Gita is also about an internal war that is going on for the warrior that actually causes him to resist his dharma which is reflective of the internal war I feel like many of us um, experience as we try to live into our purpose and respond to these unsettling times. And the, the background for the Gita, so there's the internal process, is an external war that's happening, which um, I believe is happening now in so many ways because of the pandemic, because of the pandemic related to COVID, the pandemic related to white supremacy, the pandemic related to economic instability, right? There are many pandemics happening at this time. And so there's a verse in the Bhagavad Gita that is no shelter. There's a verse in the Bhagavad Gita that says, um, no effort is wasted, no gain ever reversed. Even a little of this practice will shelter you from sorrow. And, um, as I was writing this manuscript for Finding Refuge, initially I, would, I wanted it to be called a shelter um, from sorrow. And my editor worked with me to find um, some, a title that actually represented that, but spoke more to the feel of the manuscript, which so it became Finding Refuge, Heart Work to Heal Collective Grief. And so that is the story of Finding Refuge, the manuscript Healing and Community and how that was a space to find refuge. And then this moment of birthing this podcast. Um, what else I'd, I'd like to name that, you know, I've been doing anti-racism work for a long time, leading it. I've been practicing yoga since um, for 20 years, but teaching since 2009. I've been a clinical social worker for over two decades. Um, and I've been an activist for, you know, over half my life. I'm about to turn 45 this month. Um, my birthday's on August 21st. And something I noticed in all of my workshops focused on anti-racism and all of my workshops focused on um, radicalizing yoga spaces and spiritual spaces and in my clinical social work sessions and my intuitive healing sessions, because that's mainly what I do now, not practicing as a clinical social worker um, at this um, point in time, but I'm doing intuitive healing. And what I just notice in interacting with people is, is that most people are, are moving through some um, grief and, and are responding to loss. And it may be individual. And as I named earlier, we're responding to so many losses at this time. And you know, collective grief is not a new experience. And what I noticed is that people began to cry as I'm interacting with them. 
um, individually or as I named in a workshop and um, immediately they say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm crying. And um, I really noticed this, it struck me because it became a pattern and I kept wondering why people were apologizing for crying. And part of the reason I think it struck me is because I'm not sure that, that I was in a practice of apologizing for crying and grieving. So that made me curious. Um, and I really noticed other people, they were in a practice for like, a practice of apologizing for emoting, right? And feeling anything other than joy. And sometimes people apologize for feeling joy and freedom as well. And so this led me to believe that um, people are stuffing their grief down in their bodies and grief is getting stuck in our bones and our cells and it is changing who we are. And I know unprocessed grief builds on itself and unprocessed grief is unprocessed trauma. And when we don't process trauma, what can happen is that we replicate trauma, that we harm ourselves, that we harm others, that our nervous systems become so, so overwhelmed that we can't actually respond and show up in the way we wanna show up in the world. Um, and I know that by stuffing grief down in our bones and allowing it to stagnate, that affects the heart. And that affects our ability to have an open heart as we respond to what feels broken due to the grief we may be moving through and the grief that is all around us. The other thing I noticed is that people would describe feelings like anger, at what was happening, what is happening in the world, frustration, overwhelm, um, numbing out, right? Being in a pattern of doing that. But they would rarely in my workshops and sessions, um, rarely name their experience as a, an experience of, of grief. You know, an anger, um, denial, frustration, confusion, health issues, um, overwhelm, right? Not knowing what to do, wanting to forget, right? And not see. Those are all signs of grief. They're signs that someone is moving through a process of grief and responding to loss. And so I realized that people didn't have a um, way to talk about their experience as grief and loss. And instead they would talk about the emotions around that. And that feels indicative of culture. Again, not making space for us to grieve, not giving us sort of language for um, our grief and not encouraging us to express our grief and our rage, right? And our sorrow and our joy and our resilience and our despair and our confusion. Um, so, my hope is through this podcast that and the interviews um, that you know we begin to change the way that we express grief and the way we express joy and the way we talk about our resilience. My hope is the guests will 
that I interview will you know, share rituals and tools and stories about the ways in which they really honor their grief and their joy. Because everyone experiences grief. It's like the, the one thing that all of us experience. And um, again, it truly is, I think, making space to grieve an expression of acknowledging what we've lost and loved and also getting to a space of freedom because we're clearing what needs to move through. We're allowing it to move through instead of resisting it. I think that it's really important to name the moment we're in, which has changed since March, since COVID changed our lives in significant ways. What I'm noticing in myself is that I am fatigued and I'm, I'm getting tired of COVID. And when I say that, what I mean is I am, I don't remember a time in my life where I would wake up and read the update from the New York Times almost every day. And, and it would say something about, you know, 1400 people died yesterday, right? Like I, I don't, there's never been a time like this before in my life where I've been confronted with loss on the scale in response to a virus um, that the US where I'm based could have had a very different response to. And sure, like systemic racism has been going on forever and so I have experienced in my blood memory and my ancestral lineage, there is some remembering of the thousands and thousands and thousands of people that have died because of white supremacy at the hands of white supremacy. And so that is there and present and always with me. And that's sort of like in my body. And then I'm also responding to this pandemic and confounded by both, well, confounded by the lack of, of collective care and lack of response and the belief that this virus isn't real because it's very real and it's affecting us deeply and it will affect who we are as a collective in the future. And I'm naming this because I have also noticed my sleep is disrupted. I at times cry and I'm not sure why. And all of this is in response to the overwhelm of the moment and the fact that the resources that I used before to take care of myself and to respond when trauma was happening um, or when I was grieving, the resources I engaged in the past are not working effectively. I have to think of new resources, ways to resource myself. And so I'll share a few. Um, I am connecting with the natural world, which is not a new way of resourcing myself, but really trying to do that in small ways. Um, my work is mostly online now. Before I was traveling around the country, meeting in person with people, training them, connecting with them, and doing some online work. And now everything is online. It's the way I connect with people. And so in between meetings, I'm trying to go out in my backyard into my garden. 
And sure, I've had a garden before, but I was traveling so much that I didn't really connect with my garden every day. And now I do. And I go and I'm curious about what's growing in my garden and what I'll pick. And I harvested sunflower seeds for the first time in my life. And they're my favorite flowers. And I've grown them almost every year that I've had a garden. And yet this is the first year. Like I really learned more about them and all the parts of the flower and harvested them. And um, in between meetings, I go out to my two beehives they are infinity that's the name of one beehive the newest one and then the other hive is named sting um, and they have lived up to their name been stung twice um, by them but they're like tenacious and um, they survived winter and i wasn't sure they were going to and and they did and they just created their a new queen um, because they swarmed in the springtime and I, they had a new queen then, but I'm not sure what happened. So they created a new one. And um, so I connect with my bees. I go out into my backyard between meetings. There's a big oak tree with crystals around it next to the beehives. And I stand against that tree and just take in the energy. Um, and, you know, I go on walks and walk more mindfully and slowly. So that's a way, way I'm resourcing myself. I'm also connecting with friends um, and um, connecting, making some new connections with people, which feels important. I, um, for years, have written 10 gratitude statements a day and I continue to do that. Um, and I probably need to up that to write 20 to really each day to like get in the practice of that more because every time I'm like, I feel like COVID needs to be over right now. Um, every time I say that I'm, I follow it with like, I'm grateful. I have a house. I have a house that feels like a sanctuary to me and many others who have been here. Um, I have um, a job that I moved online and I have enough um, abundance to take care of myself and my beloveds. Uh, I am healthy. Um, my mom is healthy at this point in time, which is amazing and, and a miracle really and wonderful. I have community. Um, I'm, I'm not struggling in the ways that other people are struggling, even though my heart's struggling in response to what's happening. And so that's one way that I resource myself. And I've started to, because my sleep has been disrupted, to um, just work with some new yoga nidras and meditations to try to allow my body to rest. Because what I know is that my reptilian brain is like overactive. My nervous system is, is overstimulated, which is making it very hard to sleep. And... Um, when I don't sleep, which has been a chronic issue for me for my whole life, but it's different. The pattern's different now and it's directly connected. It's correlated um, with COVID. Um, and so I uh, have had to just engage some new resources to support me in resting because when I don't sleep, I am loopy and grumpy and dreamy and um, not as grounded as I want to be. And um, I've also tried to lean on the people that I actually can be in physical space with because I've been sheltering in place. There are a few people that I can spend time with and I really 
want to cherish that time that I have. And these are the ways I'm resourcing, but they're also the ways I'm trying to find freedom amidst so much grief. And again, that's really what this is about, finding refuge. And so my hope is that you find refuge through this experience of listening to this podcast that will come to you monthly. Um, you can find Finding Refuge on um, your favorite podcast platforms. You can find it on iTunes and um, Spotify. And if you'd like to stay in contact with me, the best way to stay in contact with me is through my website. And my website is michellecjohnson.com. michellecjohnson.com. There are a ton of online events, upcoming online events that you might want to be part of. And they may help resource you and explain what's going on and allow you to think about where you have agency to respond. Um, and there's a, just a myriad of um, ways to connect with me and um, various workshops that I offer. You can also support my work, this um, podcast, as well as the work I do in the world to make it a better place um, by donating or becoming a patron on Patreon. Skill in Action is the name of my Patreon page, Skill in Action. That's also the title of my first book, Skill in Action, Radicalizing Your Yoga Practice to Create a Just World, which at this point you can purchase um, the print copy from me uh, and in just a few couple of months less than two months shambhala publications is taking over the distribution of skill in action so you should be able to order it um, through them and they're also going to publish finding refuge in a second edition of skill in action which i will begin working on in september so you can find me on patreon skill in action there are three different giving levels and everyone gets the same thing because of accessibility and inclusivity. And so each month um, patrons receive a meditation, a Dharma talk, some journaling prompts and a ritual um, or practice. And so that's Patreon. I'm also on Venmo. My handle is Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-C-A-S-S-J-O-H-N, Michelle Cast John on Venmo. If you wanna support my work, and know that your support often goes to supporting other people's work and scholarships for my programs. And, you know, I really believe in generosity and giving what I can. And, you know, I know this while I'm birthing this podcast, like it's really a birthing that's happening collaboratively with many others who've influenced me, who've mentored me, who've taught me, supported me. And so know that I am committed to also supporting others. So thank you so much. And I'll just leave you with a few of the people, the names of folks who are going to be on the podcast. Um, so Janine Abrams will be interviewed and on the podcast. And Janine will talk about joy um, and the ways in which she's like found her joy and lights other people up with joy. Shankari Goldstein is going to be on the podcast. And um, we'll be talking about grief and the land and joy. Um, Tina Oaken, my colleague of 20 years with Dismantling Racism Works, my friend, my mentor, will be on talking about anti-racism work and grief um, and resilience. 
And um, there's several other guests that will be on, on the podcast. So stay tuned. I'm super excited to offer this to you and to bring this forth. And if you have any feedback, let me know. Thank you so much and take care. Thank you.